In Mark chapter 9, verse 33, it says, They came to Capernaum. When he was in the house, he asked them, What were you arguing about on the road? But they kept quiet because on the way they had argued about who would be the greatest. Can you see this? you got to picture this. Jesus is out walking on the road, and these guys are, are whispering behind him like he doesn't know what they're saying. And they're like little kids behind, you know, arguing about who is, and it's, it's, he catches them. He calls them on the carpet, and it's like they've got, been caught with their hand in the cookie jar. Verse 35, sitting down, Jesus is like, come on, guys, one more time. He calls them over, and he says, anyone who wants to be first must be the very last and the servant of all. Anyone who wants to be first must be the very last and the servant of all. The video we just watched, and yes, it was a secular song in church. Keep your emails to yourself. I'm making a point. <laughs> I'm making a point. It's, it's, a, it's a song that came out about, about five years ago called Hall of Fame. And the last time I looked at the, the YouTube, it had over 305 million views. You think that connected to some people? Sure it did. And it's, it's, a, it's really a good song. I love the piano part and the, everything, and, the, and, the, and the, the message is positive. It's uplifting. It's encouraging. It's inspirational. It's all about how to be the greatest. Dedicate yourself. Don't leave it to chance. Better yourself. Work harder than everybody else, and one day people will know your name. You can be the greatest, the song says. You can be the best. Now, we all, if we were willing to admit, we all have that inner desire for everyone to recognize what we've done. and to, We have that drive to be great. We've been created, I think it's wired in us, we've been created in the image of an almighty, great God. And working hard and being disciplined, is there anything wrong with that? Absolutely, let me help you, no, there's not. There's not anything wrong. Those are important things. Having big dreams like the boy and the girl in the video, those are important things. Those are good things. But is the purpose of my success to build my own name? As good as the premise is of this song and as positive as it is to reach our full potential, to go for it, to overcome our fears, to overcome our struggles, to rise to the top, is the ultimate prize, listen, to see our name in light. Is that greatness? Reading from our text, that's exactly what the disciples thought. They were arguing about who would be considered the greatest out of that group. So how do we measure greatness? That's the question of the day. How do we measure greatness? Today we're going to talk about the greatest in the kingdom. The greatest in the kingdom. Heavenly Father, right now I pray in the name of Jesus, the name above every name, that this word would become rhema, that it would become life, that it would penetrate deep, Father, that it would be prophetic. I pray, God, that we would receive it that way. 
and that you would speak to our hearts, convict where necessary, heal where necessary, so that we can understand who truly is the greatest in the kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, we're now in week four of kingdom, and I'm just, just time out for one second. Please, seriously, do not miss this tonight at 6 o'clock, coming together, all different churches, all different denominations right here to worship and to pray. We're going to be praying for our students. We're going to be praying for our community, and we will be praying for those that have become victims of these hurricanes and, and about that. So please be back here tonight at 6 o'clock. So last week, we, we hit the pause button on the first two weeks. We kind of just stopped and we kind of went back and clarified some things about what the kingdom of God is, is all about. And I did that because I was getting some feedback that I know was meant to be good feedback and positive. But it was things like, Pastor, this is heavy. Pastor, this is, this is a challenging word. And then the one that a lot of people use was, this is deep. Y'all, I just need you to know something. I never set out to write a deep message, okay? I don't sit in my, my, my study room at home and go, hmm, how can I be confusing and deep today? I wanna, how can I show off my theological chops to everybody? That's not what I do. That's not ever what I do. That's never the goal. Preaching is supposed to bring light and revelation to the word, not darkness. <laughs> That's never, ever, ever the issue. And again, I know those, comp those were compliments, but it, 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 I went back to the drawing board, if you will, a little bit. And so I want to clarify, you know, we clarified and we began the new conversation last week with this statement. The kingdom of God is the culture of heaven. The kingdom of God is the culture of heaven. Jesus was the living embodiment of that culture on earth. He came to demonstrate the culture of heaven with his life. John 1.14, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. Are you following me? That's what this thing is all about. Every time he healed, every time he cast out a demon, he was showing us that freedom is available in the kingdom. When he stood between the woman and her accusers, all of them poised and ready with these huge rocks and stones to pummel her and crush her with their laws and their rules and their regulations, he was demonstrating that mercy is the way of God's kingdom, that God values life and not death. When he multiplied the little boy's lunch to feed thousands, it was a declaration that in the kingdom of God there would be plenty, that hunger and poverty have no place in the kingdom. When he raised the little girl from the dead, he was showing us that in the kingdom there would be no, no sorrow, no loss, no pain, no death. When Jesus turned the other cheek to his abusers time and time again, he was demonstrating that forgiveness is the way of the kingdom. Not anger, not retaliation, not revenge, not hate. The purpose of this series, once again, is your Kingdom come, Lord. Your will be done. Where? On earth. Everybody say it. On, if you don't get anything else out of this series, remember, on earth, the kingdom of God through Christ is available. The culture of heaven is available on earth, in and through us by the power of Jesus' name. That's the purpose. 
of this series. And if we will seek his kingdom first, if we will posture our lives, remember week two, if we will posture our lives towards the cross, towards the goal, towards the kingdom, then he will infuse the culture of heaven into every environment, every place that we step our foot. Does anybody want that? People around us, our workplace, our schools, they need the culture of heaven, and it's not going to come except through us by the power of Jesus' name. Somebody praise him if you want to be a part of that. Come on. That's what this series is about. Hallelujah. So going back to the text for today, the disciples were watching all of this play out on the front row, they were watching Jesus demonstrate the kingdom in front of them. They knew that something was different about this man. And they knew that it was an honor to be considered in his inner circle as a friend. But that's where their knowledge ended and their ignorance began. They just weren't getting it. Jesus is showing them the way of the kingdom, the culture of heaven, and all they can think or talk about is which of them is going to be the greatest in the coming kingdom. A kingdom they think that's going to come very, very soon through violence and bloodshed. Because that's all they've ever known or heard about. Who had ever heard of a revolution through mercy and grace? and forgiveness, and healing. Nobody. Nobody. So that very week, the very week they're having this little argument, Jesus already had said, I must suffer and die at the hands of my accusers. And it's like, zip do. It went in one ear and out the other. They weren't allowing it to go to their heart if they had, they would have never had this conversation to begin with. They're just not getting it. All they were thinking about were themselves, just like the song in the video. You can be the greatest. You can be the best. Where's the focus there? Jesus is displaying the kingdom through love and mercy and grace and healing. And what are they doing? What are the disciples doing? They're arguing. They're jockeying for position. Does, anything, does any of this resonate with you? Because yeah. it sure sounds like me sometimes. Am I the, oh, I'm, I must be the only one. I, I'll have my own little private altar call here after a while and just be <laughs> praying because I'm the only one that deals with pride or wanting my name in lights or any of Come on. They got caught up in the same rat race that we do. They were swallowing the same lie of the enemy that we do. What is that, Pastor? That the only one that matters, the only one that counts is the one who reaches the top. We fall into the same trap. Listen. And it's sucking the life out of us. We're on a treadmill of performance that we can't seem to get off. We're carrying a weight that is unbearable. We're putting ourselves under a pressure that will eventually crush us because it's a weight we were never meant to carry. 
we have the wrong idea about greatness. And it's robbing us of our destiny. It's stealing our purpose. Let's look at what Jesus had to say about this little discussion. We get a little more information from Matthew's perspective. The same story, same instance in Matthew 18, verse 1. He says, at that time, the disciples came to Jesus and asked, okay, okay, Jesus, what then, what then, or who then is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? He, he called a little child to him and placed the child among them. And he said, truly, I tell you, unless you change, everybody say change, <laughs> unless you change and become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, whoever takes this lowly position of this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Now, is Jesus telling us to act like children? No. We do sometimes, but no. We're supposed to be not childish, but childlike. Throwing a tantrum in Walmart will not make you the greatest in the kingdom. It's not just kids that I've seen throwing tantrums in Walmart. Come on. Golly, huh? That will just make you annoying and weird. What Jesus is doing here is just emphasizing the reality of childhood. The reality of childhood. And I think there's, there's at least three things that we can take away about being the greatest in the kingdom from the lens of childhood. Number one, children are dependent. Children are dependent. That's why we get to mark dependent on our taxes. Hallelujah. I love it every single time. I do. It's, it's, it's the best thing. Now, babies won't argue about this. They'll just cry until you change them or feed them. It's one or the other most of the time. They'll just cry. They're not going to argue whether they're independent or dependent upon you. They'll just cry. Now, as they get older, they try to become more and more independent. And then when they become teenagers, they think they know everything. Right, Rachel? Isn't that right? I picked on Sarah in the early service, so you're right there. <laughs> Being a preacher's kid is awesome. Trust me, it's amazing. They're so blessed. No, they think, they think you know, they get to this certain age and they think they can do it all, they know it all, they can survive without us. And if they had to, it'd be really ugly and really smelly. <laughs> Sorry. But it's the same with us as Christians, especially in the United States, especially in our culture. We're fine with a little Christianity. We're fine with a little church. But don't tell me how to live. We may not say that to God because that would be really dumb. We may not say that to God, but that's how we act. That's how we act. My daughter, my oldest daughter, I'm equal opportunity, you know, with these girls. My oldest daughter is not here, Ashley. She was a junior, senior in high school, and she had this little saying, and she would say it in jest, in fun, but she would always say, I would, I'd be like, Ashley, I wish you would da-da-da-da. Don't tell me how to live my life. <laughs> she would, we would laugh, and she was funny because she is funny, but she really wasn't kidding, I don't think. Hey, don't tell me how to live my life. And that's what we do. 
That's what we do with God by the way we act and the way we respond to his word. Don't tell me how to live my life. But look at the screen. The greatest in the kingdom are those who are dependent upon the king. The greatest in the kingdom are those who are dependent upon the king. Now, this is so hard for most of us because our culture is working against us so hard with this principle because our culture is driven by individualism. And we often live as though the world revolves around us. You can be the greatest. You can be the best. You. Your name in the Hall of Fame. And that makes submitting and depending upon God a real challenge. And yet, listen, listen, that's exactly what Jesus says we must do. He takes a child by the hand and brings him into the middle of the room and basically says, you've got to depend on God like this little boy depends on his father for everything. Now, we can push back on that all day long, and we do. But until we begin to learn this principle and apply it to our life, we're going to keep going around the same mountain. God's going to keep putting us back around the same things to learn this principle. And I don't know about you, but I'm getting motion sick. I've come to a place in my life where I'm ready to submit and bow my knee, bow my American individualistic knee to the lordship, the kingship of Jesus Christ. Children are dependent. Number two, children cannot claim a high status, but they have a great desire to be included. They cannot claim a high status. They're kids. But they have a great desire to be included. Children in our culture uh, are highly valued. We have, we have laws, you know, education laws, labor laws, all these laws, you know, helping our children. But they're often overlooked. They really, nobody really listens. If you're a kid, say amen. <laughs> Why? Because you have, they have very little experience. They have no track record, good or bad, really. But listen. Oh, how excited is a little kid when they get to help dad or they get to help mom. Oh, how excited when they just get a chance to sit at the big table. Just a chance to be heard. Children just want to be seen and acknowledged. I couldn't help when I was studying this Part and writing this part, I kept thinking of an old cartoon. You may remember it. It's the one with the big bulldog. He's going along, and there's this little yippy dog jumping around him. How many remember that? It was Tom and Jerry, I think. This big, this bulldog, he's going along. He's just a big bulldog. He's not paying any attention to this little yippy dog at all, but the little yippy dog just keeps on bouncing around. <laughs> you know, just bouncing around, jumping around, trying to get the big dog's attention just to have a second of his attention, just to play for a second, and he never does. Can I tell you something? Some of us feel, and, and I think, have a picture of God like that, and that is not, God is not like the bulldog. God is not like that bulldog. 
Look at the screen. God doesn't value the super talented over the common. God doesn't value the experienced over the inexperienced. Look at David facing Goliath. God told a teenage boy to come to do a man's job because nobody would do it. Nobody would step forward. All the professionals were scared of Goliath. And this young boy came up and God used him to turn a kingdom around. God doesn't value the super talented or the experienced over the inexperienced or the common. He doesn't differentiate between the singer on the stage or the floor sweeper. He doesn't differentiate between the pastor or the nursery worker. He doesn't play the position game. He's not up in heaven going, oh, he's here, so I, I, I like him better. He can do more for me and I can Oh, no, they're down here. They do this. He doesn't do... We do that. That's what we do. We play the title game and the position game. But when we do, we mess it up. That's not the way of the kingdom at all. That's not the way God operates. The greatest in the kingdom is simply the one who is willing and excited to do what God asks them to do, to use whatever God puts in their hand, no matter what it is, where it is, if it's on the stage, if it's in the back, if it's, if it's if in the basement. It doesn't matter where it is or what it is or how it is. They're like that little dog and they just are excited about being used in the kingdom. Somebody praise him this morning if you believe that. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Number three, small children have absolute trust in those with authority. Small children. I said small children because we pretty much mess that up for them very quickly as adults. But small children have absolute trust when it comes to authority. <laughs> this, when I was a lifeguard and I was probably 15, 16 years old, and there was this guy that was, I was working with. He was older. He was 19 he had, he had just come back from the summer after his freshman year in college, and he knew everything. He had been studying psychology. He said, Alan, come here. We were on a break. He said, Alan, come here. I was like, what? He said, little kids will believe anything you say. They'll believe anything you say. I was like, random thought, but okay, thank you. And he said, no, no, I'm serious. Look. And so he took the skimmer. There's a picture of it. He took the skimmer out of the, out of the thing. That is, it's a filter, the top of the filter. He took that out. Okay, we're standing next to the hole in the concrete. And he calls this little boy. We'll call him Johnny because that's the name of every kid in every story, Johnny. He calls Johnny. This is actually a true story. I just can't remember his name. He was like five years old. He says, Johnny, come here. So Johnny comes over. Don't know where his parent was. That's kind of disturbing. But anyway, Johnny, come here. This, this saucer flew in here from outer space last night. It's not flying anymore. We're standing next to the hole that it goes in, okay? This thing flew in, and his eyes just get bigger and bigger, and, and, and this guy just keeps going on and building this story, and I'm like, this is Hey, Johnny, we're just kidding, man. And then I told him, and the guy was like, why'd you do that? I said, because you're weird, dude. That's crazy. You're messing this kid up. Stop it. But small children will believe just about anything you tell them. But that's absolutely the point that Jesus was trying to make when he brought this little child. 
absolute trust for everything, in everything, no matter what. So how's that going with you guys? I fail every day at that. But listen to me. Every time I fail to trust God with something, I am robbing myself of a kingdom miracle. When we fail to trust God with an issue or problem and then choose instead anxiety and worry and paralyzing fear, we're putting God in a box. We're limiting his power in us. We're tying his hands. When we fail to put our trust fully in God, we are in essence saying, God, I love you, appreciate Jesus, thank you for the cross, but this situation is just too big for you. I think one of the most significant hindrances to the advancement of the kingdom on earth is our lack of trust and faith for God to do what he said he would do in his word. In 1952, J.B. Phillips wrote a book called Your God is Too Small. Your God is Too Small. When we don't trust God, we, we are downsizing his majesty and glory and power. But see, Psalm 34 tells us, Oh, magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name forever. Can we just by faith do that right now? Let's clap our hands and let's just exalt and magnify the name of God. Come on. God, we love you. God, you are awesome. You are great. You are mighty to the pulling down of every stronghold. You are a great God. You're an awesome God. We magnify you today. Look at the screen. The greatest form of worship and magnification is our willingness to trust and obey our Heavenly Father. Trust and obey. It's not just about how loud we sing in here or how high we raise our hands. When we live out a life of obedience, it is a life of worship. Paul says in Romans 12, 1, Therefore, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, in view of the cross, in view of what Jesus has done for you, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God, and that, the way you live, is your spiritual act of worship. What? Yes. Amen. I want to finish with one more category of people. We're past the kids now, okay? I want to finish with one more category of people who I believe are among, I know, according to the word, are among the greatest in the kingdom. This category is one that I hope none of us ever have to experience. But I pray if we do, everybody look at me, that we're ready. By the grace of God, we'll be ready. Matthew 20, 20. Then the mother of James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came to Jesus with her son. She knelt respectfully to ask a favor. What is your request, he said. She replied, in your kingdom, please let my two sons sit in places of honor. They want to be the greatest next to you, and one on your right, and the other on your left. Now, first of all, let me just say, this would have been my mom. 
No question. Hi, Mom. I'm, she's going to watch this. You know it's true. This would have been my mom. How many moms out there, this would have been you? Come on, be honest. Yeah, that's right. I know. But we can't just blame her. Can't just blame her because James and John were right there. And when she, when she said that, they didn't go, oh, Mom, holy cow, you can't say that. You can't, you can't say No, no, no. They had probably pulled her aside earlier. Hey, Mom, we're kind of annoying to Jesus, so we, we want you to ask. I think, I think he likes you. So will you ask him about being the greatest with him in the kingdom? Verse 22. But Jesus answered by saying to them, you don't know what you are asking. You don't know what you're asking here. Are you able to drink from the bitter cup of suffering that I'm about to drink? Oh, yes. Oh, yes, Lord. And while they're saying that, he's thinking about the betrayal. He's thinking about the trial. He's thinking about the beating and the torture and the cross and the grave. And they're saying, oh, yes, because that means we get to be the greatest. At the end of Hebrews 11, the faith chapter, it speaks of those who gave their lives for the gospel. They were tortured, beheaded, beaten, stoned, sawed in two. Read it. All of them refusing to denounce the name of Jesus all the way to the very end. And it says in verse 38, I love this, the world was not worthy of them. The world was not worthy. They were martyrs. They gave everything for the gospel, and they still do today. There are people giving their lives for the gospel, for the name of Jesus today. You know it's true. We know that. When I was getting ready to go to Pakistan this past March, the week of, the before I left, I began having nightmares for three nights in a row. I didn't tell Kathy about it at the time for obvious reasons. But the nightmare was so vivid and clear, it was the same thing. I was captured. Taliban is active in Pakistan. I was captured. I was tortured. I was beaten. I didn't die in the dreams, but that's exactly where I knew it was headed. And so I woke up the first morning pretty terrified, pretty scared, thinking, God, are you telling me something? Holy Spirit, is this a warning? Should I not go? Didn't hear anything. Second day, same thing. Heard nothing from God. Third day, and I think numbers are significant in the Bible, by the way. Third day, I had the dream, and I'm like, God, I'm, I'm ready to get ready to go on a plane. I've got to hear from you. Is this a warning from you not to go? And he spoke. It was one of those rare times. It was so clear, not audible, but so clear. And this is what he said. Are you any better than those who have gone before? Are you any better than any other person who's died in my name? They were family. They had family. They had, they had a life, too. Well, that wasn't exactly the answer that I wanted. 
But he didn't leave me there. Because then he said, if I should call you to that ultimate price, hear me. I will be with you in those moments like you have never experienced me before. And even though he did not give me an assurance that nothing would happen, I had a peace that came over me that I cannot explain to you. And I'm feeling it right now. I'm feeling that overwhelming sense of his presence right now. I want to tell you something. Those who give their lives for Jesus then and now experience him like none of us ever will unless we face the same thing. But I want to leave you with this. I want to leave you with this. Being the greatest in the kingdom doesn't have to be so dramatic as that, okay? It doesn't have to be so dramatic as as giving your life or going to Africa or becoming a missionary or risking your life. Every time you help someone in need, you're the greatest in the kingdom. Every time you give, every time you smile instead of curse, Every time you stop and listen and care, you are the greatest in the kingdom. Every time you encourage, every time you build up instead of tear down, you are being the greatest in the kingdom. Every time you're faithful, every time you are peaceful, every time you love instead of hate, you are the greatest in the kingdom. Every time you choose forgiveness over holding a grudge, you are the greatest in the kingdom. Come on, somebody. big idea is this, the greatest in the kingdom are simply those willing to serve in Jesus' name, expecting nothing in return. Those willing to serve with whatever he gives you, whatever situation it is, and it's done in Jesus' name, in the name of Jesus, not your name in lights. We live to make the name of Jesus famous in this earth. We live to bring the culture of heaven down in Jesus' name. My God, hallelujah. Expecting nothing in return. So here's the question. What can you do this week?